For as long as she is known, Tracy Long has been able to receive and interpret messages from another world. She is a natural-born psychic and medium. In her late 30s, she decided to pack up her job in order to fully embrace her spiritual side, allowing her to dive fully into the psychic world. She's able to do all manner of things, including connecting with spirits from the other side, as well as delivering an individual's readings just by looking at a photo of them. However, Tracy also has another role in life. She is a spiritual celebrant. With the help of spirits and guides, she is able to help people plan all manner of events, including weddings, hand fastings and funerals, to name but a few. Should her clients ask for it, she can use her abilities to connect with them or deceased loved ones to tailor an event into a truly special occasion. Often it is a celebration full of colour and enthusiasm. Brought to you by Essex Live, this is Humans of Chelmsford, and this is Tracy Long's story. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today, Tracy, and telling us all about your life. Now, you describe yourself as a, on your website as a natural-born psychic and medium, and, and when a lot of people hear that, I suppose they instantly jump to conclusions. And we know there's, there's a lot of variations of psychics and mediums, so just tell us what it is you can feel uh, that other people say can't normally. Um, yes, that's part of what I do. It's one of the jobs that I have. Um, I was born that way, so I don't actually know any, any different. But um, yes, I can do future readings and um, yeah, I can sense and feel spirit around me. So I now do that as a job and I have been doing that for the past uh, sort of 15 years as a professional reader. So I suppose I mentioned bef- before we started recording that a lot of people kind of jumped to the conclusions of, say, Derek Cora from Most Haunted when they're thinking of psychics and mediums. Is that an accurate interpretation? No, I don't think that is how we work. That's obviously for TV. So that's Mm -hmm. um, led for entertainment, if you like, to make it interesting and sort of exciting for people that may like those type of programmes. I don't know. I haven't actually watched it myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very old show now. (laughs) It should really be consigned to the history books. With regards to the services you're offering as a psychic and medium, someone sends in their picture to you, for example. What can you then tell about them and what do you send in response? All right, yes. Um, Some of my online readings, um, people do just send me a a headshot of themselves um, and they may want a future forecast maybe for the next 12 months which is quite popular coming up this time of year or it could be something to do with like romance career whatever that might be whatever the question or the type of reading that they pick so I actually then tune into that person using my guides and um, I'm able to read from that so once I've just looked at the picture for a few minutes um, and then got a connection and then I just go from there obviously I do use tarot cards when I do that type of prediction um, and generally speaking, they are pretty much spot on. So you also mentioned talking about seeing lights and things. And how, how do these, these messages come to you? Um, well, I use my guide. Um, I have more than one guide. Um, but sometimes the spirit might actually come in. So that might be a loved one. It could be a grandmother, a mother or whoever that might be. 
with I can sense their energy next to me. Um, but yeah, in my home, I actually do see lots of spirit lights. There is a lot of activity going on quite a lot of the time. I don't really pay that much attention to it now, to be, to be honest. So when you first kind of discover that you're seeing all these things, is that something that you just naturally can perfect or do you have to hone it over time to read the messages correctly? Uh, yeah, a lot of it is about what you've been given and your interpretation of it. Um, which is why I do run a circle um, just to help people that can do this type of thing but to hone in and because I do it every day and have been doing it every day for many years I've actually got it where it's quite easy for me to do it and for other people it takes a bit of time and obviously confidence is another thing is trusting what you hear um, and giving that message in the correct manner. I'm also intrigued by this um, the fact the afterlife question because one of the first questions you asked me when I met you today is do you believe in the afterlife yeah and I told you a lovely story about me as a three-year-old yeah um going on about how I had other parents living in Hampshire despite the fact that I'd never been to Hampshire yeah and then you told me that you're on your 10th line I am yeah so what you was actually seeing was um a past life so you still had some form so some memories if you like from that life um, it's great that you can still remember it. I actually did have one when I was younger um, where I used to say, I think that, you know, this isn't my name and my, my hair colour shouldn't be this colour and I was a young girl and that obviously was a memory from my past life. But obviously when you're young, you don't really pay that much attention. You just think what you're remembering is what you're remembering. Mm-hmm. Is all. So of all your past lives, do you just remember little chunks of them or are they all kind of blurred and things like that um sometimes you get a feeling that you've been somewhere before or deja vu or maybe that you know somebody you can resonate with someone that you meet um it just just happens i guess so as you go about your everyday life something will click and you think well why, why do i know that or why do i think about that or why am i drawn to that person obviously in the other respect you get people that you don't particularly like that you're drawn to and that could be something to do with a past life as well, where you had some sort of interaction with them. So when you tell people about what you can do and what you do do for a living, I suppose it's only natural that you're greeted with scepticism from a lot of places. Is that, yeah. is that an easy thing to deal with, or is that something you've had to, you've had to learn to cope with over time? Um, I'm not really... I don't really have that now. Um, I don't particularly advertise what I do anymore. Um, most of my stuff is word of mouth, so people find me, so I don't need to really advertise. Um, and having conversations with people, because I have a sort of a wide spectrum of knowledge to do with most things, but only because I was interested in everything, so I sort of like, learned about everything. So you can always have a conversation with someone about something, whether it be the afterlife, whether it be readings, whether it be... Um, people having spirits in their home or whether it be children that are quite um, sensitive if you like or it could be you know somebody's gone missing and they they can't find somebody or somebody was murdered or anything like that I do a wide spectrum of things so there's always somebody to have would like that conversation everybody's quite intrigued in all those aspects which obviously is normal to me I don't really see the fascination with it anymore to be honest that strikes me as well that kind of a lot of responsibility ends up getting weighed down on your shoulders for things like that. Does that yeah, ever you know, reach breaking point for you? Do, you? do you find it easy to handle now? 
I do, but you do get tired, and as time goes on, people are always pulling um, or wanting that bit more, so you can do a reading for someone, and um, I forget them uh, within a day or so. I, I don't remember the readings anymore. I can't, my brain can't store that amount of information, so they come back to me two days later, oh, you know you said so-and-so. Um, was it this or was it? Well, I don't even remember your readings. <laughs> I just about remember you. I wouldn't know. So you have to learn to shut off. You've done that. You've, you, you know, you've, you, you've done that person. So now you just move on to the next person and deal with that scenario or whatever they need at that time. Um, but as I said to you earlier, I do get called out to help people with children that can't sleep, have spirits in their house or, or quite sensitive nature. And of course, that was me when I was younger. I can relate to that, so I understand. But I also now understand how to deal with it. So I go and I sort it out for them. I also get calls from people that say they've got spirits in their house. Um, they don't know what to do. They're being a bit mischievous. Sort that out. Sometimes you have to pass them over. I get called for all different things, really, down to my cat's gone missing. Or I can't find my keys. You know, it's, there's various levels. Yeah. You've become a jack of all trades, really. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. <laughs> now, it says on your website that it was in your late 30s that you decided it was time to embrace your spiritual side. That's right. What prompted the change? Um, well, I was working in the city. I was going backwards and forwards every day and um, I sort of felt a bit like a caged animal, like something was missing. And I think a lot of people go through this. Maybe you might call it a midlife crisis or whatever you might want to call it. Um, but you always get a calling that there's something more. You should be doing something more. So I just made a decision that I was going to um, leave my job I was going to sell my flat and I was going to do what I wanted to do. And everyone said, are you mad? And I went, well, watch this space. I will do it. And here I am, 15, 16 years later, whatever it is now, still doing what I set out to do at that time. And um, I suppose the, the training as well that you had to go through, you mentioned it's quite, it's long and it almost puts you in a box creatively. Was that easy to work your way through? Oh, you mean the, the teacher training that mm. I did to, because I'm able to teach my subjects that I want to teach now um, to help other people. So I feel that if you're going to teach other people, you should then be qualified to know how to teach and how to deal with other people and diversity, if you like. Um, so, yes, I did find being put into a box where I sort of think outside the box is the way I am. Um, trying to get through studying. I have done a lot of studying in my time. Um, it is difficult to be put into those little niches because I don't really think the same as a lot of people do. So, yeah, it's any form of um, education, if you like, even though I've done them, I did find quite hard to do. Now, on to your business, The Spiritual Celebrant. Uh, yeah. And if, if anyone's interested in it, we'll, we'll put the website link in the description for this episode as well. At what point do you decide to set up this business because it, it does a whole load of things from weddings funerals um, hand fastings as well what's special about the services that you deliver compared to your average funeral planner for example well I sort of fell into um, doing being a spiritual celebrant by accident really because I was asked to do a hand fasting so me being me, thinking, right, well, I need to find out how you do this, whether there's any legal requirements and how to do a good job, if you like. So searching on the internet, finding courses and that. And then I, I was led to a, a course, which was a civil 
celebrant, um, which I am now. And um, in that course, you have to do the funeral and the wedding side to complete and to get your qualification. So I sort of was led into it by accident, if you like. And then I started doing the funeral one, which takes roughly six months or so. Um, And it was a very emotional journey, that one. Um, Not something I actually thought was in my life plan, but here I am. Um, After doing all that, um, I started to notice that whenever I was going to get a service coming, that the actual person, the deceased, um, would actually visit me beforehand. So I would be woken up in the night by somebody standing in my room. And I'd start to think, like, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> and I'd start, like, half awake thinking, like, OK, is that a man, is that a woman? OK, well, that's obviously who I'm going to have. And then maybe the next day or a day or so later, I'd get the call um, saying, I have this service for you, and, it's for, and it was the person that was standing in my room. So I do feel that they actually pick me to do the service because of what I can do with my mediumship work and my my psychic work. And the service itself, it doesn't have to have the spiritual side of things right at the centre of it. You're still very much around what whoever you're working for, what they want. That's the main priority for you, isn't it? Yeah, the the main priority is to give a service that's quite uplifting, um, which is a celebration of life. We don't well, I personally don't do anything that's sort of doom and gloom, if you like. They're very uplifting. They're very personal to the family and to the person that's passed away. So with the interaction that I actually have, most of the families that I work with know I do what I do and are quite happy to embrace that and, and bring it in and obviously ask me to ask their loved one, would they like this or would they like that? And are they there? That type of thing. So it seems to work. Absolutely, and to to do your job properly as well, I suppose you've got to really ingrain yourself in that family that yeah. you're working for, both emotionally, personally. Yeah. Is that something that always came naturally to you? Yeah, my home visits are. I don't know. They may be dreading them. I don't know when I get there, but I get there, and I've actually been there for hours sometimes. And we have endless cups of tea. We have, you know, laughter. We we plan the service and what they would have liked, and we we get down to what the character of that person was like um and we sort of plan around that and i always ask them what their beliefs are um do they believe in the afterlife do they believe in spiritual stuff um angels whatever that might be um and depending on the response is then whether i go forward and say to them well this is also what i do and most of the time it's met with a big smile and thinking that it's great. And that's why I normally are quite a long time at the homes, you know, because they're intrigued, they want to know all about it and just interested in it generally anyway. If I get a response with like, mm, I'm not sure, then I just don't go there. I just work myself with the person in spirit and just put together a lovely service they would have liked and I just make suggestions to the family and saying how about this poem how about that you know song and um, most of the time they have gone with it and also because of what you can do a lot of the work continues after that event you sometimes do. it mm. does yeah and I suppose they must find that hugely comforting as well that you can relay these messages even after the ceremony is done 
Yeah, when I'm actually doing the funeral services, um, I do interact with spirit, but I don't actually interact on a level where I'm giving messages to family or anything like that. It doesn't actually work that way. That's a different, that's having a reading. In this aspect, it's um, just finding out what they want to make the, the whole thing for the family as pleasant as possible so under those stressful upsetting circumstances they don't have to think too hard about what would mum like would mum like this would she like this I don't know what song she liked or whatever that might be and whether they believe or not their loved one still gets a really nice service at the end of it and they feel that if they are interested and they say to me well can you have a word (laughs) <laughs> and I do. <laughs> what would you say then is the most rewarding aspect about what you do? Um, I think all of it really is quite rewarding. It's quite emotional. Every one of them is different because everybody is different. And of course, when they go into spirit, their personality doesn't change. So they are how they always were. So sometimes they can be a bit more challenging and sometimes they're that really lovely and um, it gets done and you know quite quickly the service is put together and sent over some are a bit more challenging but overall to, on the day to see everybody coming you know coming out of that chapel shaking my hand and smiling because they feel that you know they had a good that was a good ceremony they enjoyed that um, and they often say to me I wish I knew for my mum I wish I could do this for my nan, you know, but we didn't know. We don't know who about celebrants. We don't know who they are and what they do. And as, as I said to you earlier, did you know what a celebrant was before you met me today? Exactly. No, I didn't. I do a lot of background reading as well beforehand. <laughs> so is that then kind of your main aim at the moment is to try and spread the word and, and let people know that something like this, a celebration of life, yeah. for example, is on offer instead of the normal traditional service. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, people say to me, are you a, a vicar? Do you, do you manage a church? And I go, no, no, I, I don't, I'm not religious, so I don't, I just work this way. Um, and a lot of people don't know what a celebrant is, but we're often called ministers, and that makes it easier for people because they can get minister. But basically, celebrants offer a different type of service that are more uplifting, more personal to the person that's passed away and we're actually celebrating their life. So, you know, they not come out happy, but they come out smiling, (laughs) at least. I don't have too much. And we never wear black, very rarely. The more traditional type services that I do, because I I will embrace everybody, it doesn't matter, Um, but sometimes the older generation, they say to me, well, they were quite traditional, like, would you wear black? And I'm quite happy to wear black, but as you know, sitting here with me today, I've got pink hair, and that sort of seems to have stuck with me because whenever I turn up and they go, oh, my God, you've got pink hair, you're not what I expected. And I think, like, what did you think I was going to look like? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Trying to add some colour into everyone's days. (laughs) And lastly, Tracy. If people want to find out where you are and get your services, where can they get in touch? Well, if they want to look me up on my website, that's fine. They can do that and contact me there. Otherwise, I do quite a lot of work with Luckin and Co. And they're actually based in London Road. So if you were to contact Darren or Roy there, um, if you require my services, then just give them a call and they can contact me to take the services for you. 
thank you so much for your thank time you, again, Alistair. Tracy. It's been really interesting, eye-opening, intriguing interview. Thank and you for I, having I'm me. I'm sure all the other listeners will say the exact same thing as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Facebook, Twitter, or on Instagram, go to our website, EssexLive.news. Nu de Samsung S9 Plus. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs, check Tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.